The Mystical City of God. Book 3. The Incarnation contains the most exquisite preparations of the Almighty for the Incarnation of the Word in Mary Most Holy, the circumstances accompanying this mystery, the exalted state in which the Blessed Mother was placed, her visit to Saint Elizabeth and the sanctification of the Baptist, her return to Nazareth and a memorable battle of the Virgin with Lucifer. Chapter 1. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Argreta, describes how God to prepare in Most Holy Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, the events of the nine days preceding this mystery, especially the happenings of the first day. 1. In order that her most faultless life might be to all an example of the highest holiness, the Most High had placed upon our Queen and Mistress the duties of a spouse of Saint Joseph, which was a position requiring more intercourse with her neighbors. The Heavenly Mistress, finding herself in this new estate, was filled with such exalted thoughts and sentiments in the fulfillment of her duties, and ordered all the activities of her life with such wisdom, that she was an object of admirable emulation to the angelic spirits and an unparalleled example for men. Few knew her and still fewer had direct communication with her, but these happy ones were so filled with that celestial influence of Mary, that with a wonderful joy and with extraordinary flights of spirit they sought to express and manifest the light, which illuminated their hearts and which they knew came from her. The most prudent queen was not unaware of these operations of the Most High, but neither was it yet time, nor would her most profound humility as yet consent to their becoming known to the world. She continually besought the Lord to hide them from men, to make all the favors of his right hand reflect solely to his praise, and to permit her to be ignored and despised by all the mortals, in as far as his infinite goodness would not be offended thereby. 2. These prayers were accepted by her divine spouse with great benevolence, and his providence arranged all things in such a manner, that the very light, which incited men to proclaim her greatness, at the same time caused them to be mute. Moved by divine power, they refrained from expressing their thoughts, inwardly praising the Lord for the light which they felt within themselves. Filled with marvel they suspended their judgment, and leaving behind the creatures, they sought their Creator. Many turned from sin at the mere sight of her, others amended their lives, all were affected at seeing her and experienced heavenly influences in their souls. But immediately they forgot the source of these influences, for if they could have remained in her presence, or could have retained the memory of her image, and if God had not prevented it by a mystery, nothing would have been able to divert their attention from her and all would have sought her without wavering. 3. In such fruitful occupations and in augmenting the gifts and graces from which all this good proceeded, our Queen, the spouse of Joseph, busied herself during the six months and seventeen days which intervened between her espousal and the incarnation of the Word. I cannot pretend to refer even briefly to her great heroic acts of all the virtues, interior and exterior, to all her deeds of charity, humility, religion, and all her works of mercy, the alms and benefactions, for this exceeds the power of the pen. The best I can do is to sum up and say, that the Most High found in Most Holy Mary the fulfillment of all His pleasure and of His wishes, as far as is possible in the correspondence of a creature with its Creator.
By her sanctity and merits, God felt himself, as it were, obliged and, according to our way of speaking, compelled, to hasten his steps and extend the arms of his omnipotence to bring about the greatest of wonders conceivable in the world before or after, namely the incarnation of the only begotten of the Father, in the virginal womb of this lady. 4. In order to proceed with a dignity befitting himself, God prepared Most Holy Mary in a singular manner during the nine days immediately preceding this mystery, and allowed the river of his divinity to rush impetuously forth, Psalm 45 5, to inundate this city of God with its floods. He communicated such great graces and gifts and favors, that I am struck dumb by the perception of what has been made known to me concerning this miracle, and my lowliness is filled with dread at even the mention of what I understood. For the tongue, the pen, and all the faculties of a creature fall far below any possibility of revealing such incomprehensible sacraments. Therefore I wish it to be understood, that all I say here is only an insignificant shadow of the smallest part of these wonders and ineffable prodigies, which are not at all to be encompassed by our limited words, but only by the power divine, which I do not possess. 5. On the first day of this most blessed novena, the heavenly Princess Mary, after a slight rest, according to the example of her father David and according to the daily order and arrangement laid out for her by the Lord, left her couch at midnight, Psalm 118.62, and prostrate in the presence of the Most High, commenced her customary prayer and holy exercises. The angels, who attended upon her, spoke to her and said, Spouse of our King and Lord, arise, for His Majesty calls thee. She raised herself with fervent affection and answered, The Lord commands the dust to raise itself from the dust. And turning toward the countenance of the Lord who called her, she added, Most high and powerful Master, what do you wish to do with me? At these words her most holy soul was raised in spirit to a new and higher habitation, closer to the same Lord and more remote from all earthly and passing things. 6. She felt at once, that she was being prepared by those illuminations and purifications, which at other times she had experienced in some of the most exalted visions of the divinity. I do not dwell on them, since I have described them in the first part. The divinity manifested itself not by an intuitive, but by an abstractive vision. However so clearly, that she understood more of this incomprehensible object than what the blessed see and enjoyed by intuition. For this vision was more exalted and more profound than the others of that kind, since this heavenly lady made herself more capable day by day, and because she made such perfect use of graces, she disposed herself for ever greater ones. Moreover, the repeated enlightenments and visions of the divinity continually enabled her to respond more and more befittingly to its infinite operations. 7. In this vision our Princess Mary learned most high secrets of the divinity and of its perfections, and especially of God's communications at extra in the work of creation. She saw that it originated in the goodness and liberality of God, that creatures were not necessary for supplementing his divine existence, nor for his infinite glory, since without them he was glorious through the interminable eternities before the creation of the world. 
Many sacraments and secrets were manifested to our Queen, which neither can nor should be made known to all. For she alone was the only one, the chosen one, selected by the highest King and Lord of creation for these delights Canticles 6 8 and 7 6. But as Her Highness in this vision perceived this impulse and inclination of the divinity to communicate itself externally, or at extra, with a force greater than that which makes all the elements tend toward their center, and as she was drawn within the sphere of this divine love, she besought the Eternal Father with heart aflame, that He send His only begotten into the world and give salvation to men, since in this manner He should satisfy and, speaking humanly, execute the promptings of His divinity and its perfections. 8. These petitions of His spouse were very sweet to the Lord, they were the scarlet lace, with which she bound and secured his love. And in order to put his desires into execution he sought first to prepare the tabernacle or temple, whither he was to descend from the bosom of the Eternal Father. He resolved to furnish his beloved and chosen mother with a clear knowledge of all his external works, just as his omnipotence had made them. On the first day therefore, and in this same vision, he manifested to her all that he had made on the first day of the creation of the world, as it is recorded in Genesis, and she perceived it all with greater clearness and comprehension than if she had been an eyewitness. For she knew them first as they are in God, and then as they are in themselves. 9. She perceived and understood, how the Lord in the beginning, Genesis 1 1-5, created heaven and earth. In how far and in what way it was void, and how the darkness was over the face of the abyss, how the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters and how, at the divine command, light was made, and what was its nature, how, after the darkness was divided, it was called night and the light day, and how thus the first day was made. She knew the size of the earth, its longitude, latitude and depth, its caverns, hell, limbo and purgatory with their inhabitants, the countries, climates, the meridians and divisions of the world, and all its inhabitants and occupants. With the same clearness she knew the inferior orbs and the empyrean heaven, how the angels were made on the first day, she was informed of their nature, conditions, diversity, hierarchies, offices, grades and virtues. The rebellion of the bad angels was revealed to her, their fall and the occasion and the cause of that fall, though the Lord always concealed from her that which concerned herself. She understood the punishment and the effects of sin in the demons, beholding them as they are in themselves, and at the conclusion of the first day, the Lord showed to her, how she too was formed of this lowly earthly material and endowed with the same nature as all those, who returned to the dust. He did not however say, that she would again return to it, yet he gave her such a profound knowledge of the earthly existence, that the great queen humiliated herself to the abyss of nothingness, being without fault, she debased herself more than all the children of Adam with all their miseries. 10. This whole vision and all its effects the most high arranged in such a way as to open up the deep trenches in the heart of Mary that were required for the foundations of the massive structure, which he wished to erect in her, namely one so high, that it would reach up to the substantial and hypostatic union of the human and divine nature. 
And as the dignity of Mother of God was without limits and to a certain extent infinite, it was becoming that she should be grounded in a proportionate humility, such as would be without limits though still within the bounds of reason itself. Attaining the summit of virtue, this blessed one among women humiliated herself to such an extent, that the Most Holy Trinity was, as it were, fully paid and satisfied, and, according to our mode of understanding, constrained to raise her to the highest position and dignity possible among creatures and nearest to the divinity itself. In this highest benevolence His Majesty spoke and said to her, 11. My spouse and dove, great is my desire of redeeming man from sin and my immense kindness is as it were strained in waiting for the time in which I shall descend in order to repair the world. Ask me continually during these days and with great affection for the fulfillment of this desire. Prostrate in my royal presence. Let not thy petitions and clamors cease in asking me that the only begotten of the Father descend in reality to unite himself with the human nature. Whereupon the heavenly princess responded and said, Lord and God eternal, whose is all the power and wisdom, whose wish none can resist, who shall hinder thy omnipotence? Esther 13:9. Who shall detain the impetuous current of your divinity, so that your pleasure in conferring this benefit upon the whole human race remain unfulfilled? If perhaps, O oh my beloved, I am a hindrance to such an immeasurable benefit, let me perish before I impede your pleasure. This blessing cannot depend upon the merits of any creature. Therefore my Lord and Master, do not wait, as we might later on merit it so much the less. The sins of men increase and the offenses against you are multiplied, how shall we merit the very blessing of which we become more unworthy every day? In you yourself my Lord, exists the last cause and motive of our salvation. Your infinite bounty, your numberless mercies incite you, the groans of your prophets and of the fathers of your people solicit you, the saints sigh after you, the sinners look for you and all of them together call out to you. And if I, an insignificant wormlet, on account of my ingratitude am not unworthy of your merciful condescension, I venture to beseech you, from the bottom of my heart, to speed your coming and to hasten your redemption for your greater glory. 12. When the Princess of Heaven had finished this prayer, she returned to her ordinary and more natural state. But anxious to fulfill the mandate of the Lord, she continued during that whole day her petitions for the incarnation of the Word, and with the deepest humility she repeated the exercises of prostrating herself to the ground and praying in the form of a cross. For the Holy Ghost who governed her, had taught her this posture by which she so highly pleased the Most Blessed Trinity. God saw in the body of the future mother of the word, as it were, the crucified person of Christ, and therefore he received this morning sacrifice of the most pure virgin as an advance offering of that of his most holy son. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me. 13. My daughter, the mortals are not capable of understanding the ineffable operations of the arm of the Omnipotent in preparing me for the incarnation of the Eternal Word. 
especially during the nine days which preceded this exalted sacrament, where my spirit was elevated and united with the immutable being of the divinity. I was submerged in the ocean of his infinite perfections, participating in all those eminent and divine effects, which are beyond all capacities of the human hearts. The knowledge of creatures communicated to me penetrated into their very essence, so that it was more profound and piercing than that of all the angelic spirits, though their knowledge of creation, on account of the beatific vision, is altogether admirable. Moreover the images of them all were impressed upon my mind to be used by me according as I desired. 14. What I wish of thee today is to take notice how I used this knowledge and to imitate me according to your power with the help of the infused light, which you have received for this purpose. Profit by the knowledge of creatures by making of them a ladder to ascend unto God your Creator, so that you may seek in all of them their first beginning and their last end. Let them serve you as a mirror from which the Godhead is reflected, reminding you of his omnipotence and inciting you to the love which he seeks in you. Be filled with wonder and praise at the greatness and magnificence of the Creator and in His presence humiliate yourself to the dust. Shun no difficulty or suffering, in order to become meek and humble of heart. Take notice my dearest, that this virtue of humility was the firm foundation of all the wonders, which the Most High wrought in me and in order that you may esteem this virtue so much the more, remember that of all others, it is at the same time the most precious, the most delicate and the most perishable. For if you lose it in any respect, and if you be not humble in all things without exception, you will not be humble in anything. Remember your earthly and corruptible nature, and be not ignorant of the fact, that the Most High has providentially formed man in such a way that his own existence and formation announce and rehearse the important lesson of humility never allowing him to be without this remedial teaching. On this account he has not formed him of the most excellent material, and has concealed the noblest part of his being in the sanctuary of his interior, Exodus 30:24, teaching him to weigh as in a balance on the one side, the infinite and eternal existence of the Lord, and on the other, his own inferior material existence. Thus he is to give unto God what belongs to him, and to himself what belongs to his self, Matthew 22:21. 15. Most zealously I attended to this adjustment, becoming an example and guide therein to all the mortals. I wish that you also do it in imitation of me, and that you zealously study to acquire the humility, which pleases the Most High and myself, who desire your true advancement. I wish that your perfection be built up in the deep trenches of your own self-knowledge, in order that the deeper its foundations are laid, to so much the higher and more exalted perfection may rise the structure of your virtue. Thus you shall find a most intimate conformity with that of the Lord, who looks down from the eminence of his throne upon the humble of the earth.